back to another episode of the Careers in History series. And thank you so much for joining in and listening. I'm so lucky again today to be joined by Zoe Viney from the Wessex Film and Sound Archive. Some of you may remember if you've listened to the Making History on Film episode where we looked into um, the amateur filmmakers who have shown people locally what life was like for them across the 20th century and how you could get involved in that in future. If you haven't listened to that already, definitely go and check out that episode. But otherwise, thank you for joining in to hear about Zoe's career. So, Zoe, once again, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Um, thank you for having me. No worries at all. And uh, I'd like to just start by by asking Zoe. So, um, for those of you who aren't familiar with Zoe from uh, the previous episode that we filmed, Zoe works as a film curator as part of the Wessex Film and Sound Archive. And Zoe, I'd like to just start off by asking you if you could talk through sort of your role and the, maybe the daily tasks in a pre-COVID world, of course, that you'd have to, to be working on. Yeah, absolutely. So my role as film curator um, predominantly is around kind of creating access opportunities to the film collection that we hold at Wessex Film and Sound Archive. Um, it's around engaging people with the collection, so kind of getting people in front of archive film. Also about selecting and locating kind of films within the collection. So one of my typical kind of jobs on a daily basis is kind of sourcing content that we hold. And um, the collection is around thirty-eight thousand items big, so it's quite large. So I've worked with the archive for out five or six years now and I've watched a lot of films but I haven't watched 38,000 films so I spend a lot of time kind of sifting through film material kind of trying to select material that will be appropriate a for kind of social media but also for um kind of screening events and projects so we've always gone kind of got project work on the go um, and for that project work we typically need typically need to kind of identify films for sharing but also kind of appropriate film stills and kind of clips of film that we can use to kind of share on social media so that's around i end up doing quite a lot of editing of kind of film material as well trying to find kind of juicy bits which are good for sharing um i also spend a lot of time kind of using the catalog to kind of search for items that we could digitize so not everything in the collection has been digitized and when we talk about digitizing we are talking about getting it off the kind of original analog formats onto kind of onto a computer screen essentially um, in the simplest terms. So it's about getting it in a form which is easy for us to share. Um, we have tech support to help us do that, but once I've got a digital file, it's about figuring out what's the best way to share it. And if we can kind of identify opportunities to kind of get the film in front of people, whether that's through you know an accompanied screening in a local um, community hall or um, screening things online for an online event, which is more normal these days, um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time watching films. It sounds like such a, a fantastic career for somebody who'd have a joint interest in both the history side of things and the media side of things to be able to get involved in. But what for you, Zoe, is your favourite part about your job? Because you mentioned so many different elements to it. What for you is your standout, your favourite part of it? Um, I'm a bit of a geek, um, so I just love watching film, which is one thing. But one of the best things about working with archive film and working with uh, an archive of film which is local as well. So when we're talking about a local collection, it's within within the region, within a number of different counties. And um, what's fantastic is when you're able to kind of share pieces of film with people who A, might be in the film, or B, might be able to spot someone they know on film. So one of the best things for me is kind of creating those connections. Um, and we've had a couple of instances in the last few years where um, uh, 
um, people have come to us with a reel of film which they haven't watched since the film was taken. So um, like a wedding in the 1950s, for example, that somebody hadn't, hadn't been able to see since the wedding itself. And actually, we were actually able to screen the film for them and they hadn't seen it um, since the, the wedding had actually taken place. So it was a really special moment to kind of be able to reconnect people with their own memories, if you like. Um, and also that kind of seeing people on screen. So when you screen films to relatives of filmmakers, those relatives may not have actually seen the films that their father or grandfather made. So when you can sit them down and show material to them, um, that's really, really magic. That's one of the reasons I love my job. <laughs> I can imagine. That sounds absolutely lovely. What a, what a way to reconnect people and to keep that memory alive. That That's such a lovely thing to be involved in. And with all due respect to the wonderful work that you do, I'd imagine there are a lot of younger listeners that wouldn't really know that this would be an option for something they could pursue as a career. So, Zoe, how did you first become interested in following this career path? Um, I, you're absolutely right in saying that. I think it's the kind of thing I had no idea it was really a job until <laughs> for a, quite a long time. Um, I, uh, when I did my um, my first degree, I did a film and history of art degree, um, and I was really interested in kind of a lot of the social history kind of units during my degree. And it was during the course of my first degree where I kind of I started volunteering in local museum services. Um, but also during the course of my degree, we undertook some oral history. Um, and oral history is a, a fantastic opportunity. And it's the kind of formal way of saying you kind of go out and interview kind of older people and talk to them about their experiences and their memories. And it's a fantastic thing to actually do yourself. So it's the kind of thing these days, especially in lockdown, if you've got time, um, if you've got older relatives who you're able to interview, you can do it by Zoom. <laughs> you don't have to see them in person. But to kind of ask them about their experiences at a particular time. And um, so I got involved in oral history, and that was the first time I visited the Film and Sound Archive. And we had an introduction to oral histories um, and how to go about recording them. And then I realized that this Film and Sound Archive actually existed. And for me, um, it was a kind of, because I'd taken a film and history of art course, it kind of melded together, like some of my key, um, key interests. Um, and from that, I kind of developed kind of more of a kind of an interest in social history. And then after I did my master's, which was a museums-based um, qualification, I then kind of looked to kind of move into cultural heritage roles. Um, cultural heritage, there are lots of short-term contracts because you're very kind of dependent on funding, comes from, comes from different funding bodies like the National Lottery. Um, so you just kind of choose the roles which are most appropriate for you at any given time. Um, I first started working with Western Film and Sound Archive in 2010-2011 on a cataloguing project. And that was fantastic because I actually just got to, we had to work through about 600 films um, and we had to watch them and catalogue them and research them. Um, and that was just such a fantastic introduction to kind of everything in the collection or the variety of material in the collection. Um, so really, it was kind of an accident I ended up in this career, but for me, it was about pursuing what I was interested in. I was really passionate about kind of social history and everything that I had undertaken during my um, my BA and my MA kind of was driving me towards kind of social history and how it's evidenced. And for me, film was always just a fantastic resource for kind of evidencing things like clothing, but also kind of social interactions and how people kind of interact with one another. 
Yeah, thanks so much for your answer there and sharing your experience and your journey. And there must have been so many skills along the way that you needed to draw upon that were so important to be able to get you from you know A to B, from starting out to achieving the career you have now. So what for you are the most important skills, that, or the, the tools, if you like, that have helped you out with, or within that journey? Um, for me, I would say it's kind of developing some of the key transferable skills. I think when, at the time when I graduated, um, the economy had really taken a turn um, I don't think it really ever recovered, um, but it, it meant that I had to think flexibly about how I was going to achieve my career goals. So I knew I wanted to work in cultural heritage, but I was aware that actually it was lots of short, short-term contracts. Um, so what I tried to do when I was working in roles which weren't in cultural heritage, I tried to choose roles which allowed me to develop some of the kind of key skills, so kind of around project management, um, kind of information management is also quite a good kind of area to kind of think about something um, that gives you the opportunity to kind of pay attention to detail so when you're doing kind of quite careful work um, I think those are the kind of key things which I felt were really good to develop and I've kind of tried to always go for roles and this is what I've been working outside of cultural heritage tried to go for roles which really gave me the opportunity to expand on those things so that when I was able to um, apply for a cultural heritage job that I was actually skilled up and could apply all of those things to um, a job in cultural heritage um, and attention to detail um, is really really important particularly if you're working with catalogue references you need to have an eye for detail but also you often are working on projects because they tend to be kind of short-term contracts um, you're working on project-based things so that they want they're kind of very goal orientated and output orientated um, so that was also really really good kind of practice and training brilliant thanks again so much for, for your answer to that question and so my next question would be around that so the skills that you've developed and the, the role that you're in I can imagine there are plenty of people, particularly young people, who might be listening and thinking, well, that all sounds fantastic, but how can I get involved in doing something like that? And, and you mentioned earlier about, you know, now we've got the opportunity we can, or, or they can be just interviewing maybe older relatives over Zoom, but what other opportunities, again, in a sort of pre-COVID or potentially post-COVID environment, are there for young people, or, or in fact, anyone who might be listening, to get involved in sort of similar things and similar opportunities? I think, yeah, mentioning oral history is a really good a good starting point because it gives you the opportunity to kind of create that experience yourself. Um, and, for example, if you record, if you do a bit of research on how to record an oral history and you do it properly and kind of with, like, permissions forms and stuff which you can print off the internet, you can submit those oral histories to an archive. So that's a really good starting point um, for somebody at school age or college age, for example, to have a go and have that interaction with an archive. I think the sooner you can kind of start interacting with archives and museums in a kind of reciprocal way um, it kind of just builds your confidence and um, one of the things I did a lot during the course of my um, degrees was volunteering um, I volunteered a lot with the local museum service um, just having a go and getting insight on into the things that kind of they did because at that point you just don't really know um, so I would say if you if you're interested in volunteering once all the museums open up most local museums um, look for volunteers so that's something you can get involved in often there are kind of youth projects as well working with volunteers um, i was involved earlier in my career in a kind of development role to kind of work with young people and get them involved in the local cultural heritage so 
if if there is a local kind of heritage venue that's close to you i would say get in touch with them um, and offer your time because they are always interested in people who are passionate um and i think that's one of the things to bear in mind if you're passionate about history um pursue it because you will always get the, the benefit from that if you're interested there's so there's always so much more to learn and in a local environment there are lots of opportunities to kind of engage with kind of museums and galleries and archives you've just got to go look for them yeah thank you very much for that advice and, and for alerting some listeners to the opportunities that, that are out there for them and again thank you so much for telling us a bit about your story and the journey that you've been on um, Zoe I'm interested to know between you leaving school and sitting here today in the role you're in what would you say is the best career decision you've made i think for me it was taking a leap between i've been offered i mentioned having different kind of short-term contracts but i managed to get a permanent contract in a non um non kind of cultural heritage job um but then i saw i saw a post advertise which was a temporary part-time post um in a cultural heritage role and I went for an interview and I was offered the job and it was such a big decision to to make to go from being in a full-time permanent post to accepting a part-time post knowing that I was going to have to find another part-time job to top it up the full-time. For me it was really risky but it I took the risk um, and then I ended up actually working full-time with cultural heritage. So for me it was about following my passion and what I was interested in um, and just giving it my all and hoping for the best. So I, I think I would say if, if you're passionate about it, follow it. Um, you don't know where it will take you. For example, I don't. I don't think when I when I graduated from my masters, I didn't didn't know I was going to end up working with a archive film collection. And I'm so glad I do because I absolutely love my job. So I would definitely recommend anybody who you know if you think you're interested in any kind of career that uses history as its focus. Um, research uh, research what you can do see what's going on in your local area and try and pursue it brilliant thanks again for for that advice and you you mentioned sort of all the way through about how much you enjoy your career and the role you're in and i'm going to touch back again and shameless plug for the last episode we recorded because it was so fascinating that the, the project you're working on currently to encourage local filmmakers to share videos about their lives as part of the archive um that's obviously what you're working on at the moment as part of the archive, but what sort of um, objective, if you like, do you have for the future? What do you want to achieve next and whereabouts might your job role take you in future, new territories, if you like? So at the moment, um, this is just a question I was asking myself a couple of years ago, in fact, because I thought, where, where can I go with this? Um, and I actually got in touch with some of my old university lecturers and we, I decided that actually the collection that I'm working with is kind of the perfect collection to kind of start a PhD on. So I actually started a PhD um, last September, um, focusing on amateur filmmakers in the collection of Wessex Film and Sound Archive. So my paid job is with Wessex Film and Sound Archive, but now I <laughs> do it all the time um, because I'm doing a PhD and I'm doing a PhD alongside my work. Um, and for me, it's really about kind of bringing academia in line with kind of archive practice um, and kind of melding those two fields together because I feel like they kind of interact at different stages. Um, but certainly Western Film and Sound Archive, I've spent all my kind of working time with the collection wishing I could spend more time um, researching elements of the collection. 
And for me, um, my PhD gives me the opportunity to do that and with a particular focus on kind of women and underrepresented groups too. So it's a fantastic opportunity. Um, I've got student loan to do my PhD, so it will, <laughs> I will eventually have to be start paying that back. Um, but it's a great opportunity for me to kind of, kind of spread my wings a bit and kind of, kind of hopefully kind of branch out into kind of academia a bit as well. So I kind of, from the archive to academia and across the two. A lovely message again, and, and thank you so much for sharing that. I think for me, that really shows that no matter how much you love what you're doing or you know, you, you, you feel that you may have got somewhere, there's always something else to shoot for, isn't there? There's always something else that you can aim for to, to achieve, to keep sort of fresh and to keep um, to keep working and keep developing yourself. Um, again, thank you so much for sharing that. The podcast itself focuses on local history. Um, why for you? And, and I love to ask this question to, to everyone that comes on because everyone has a slightly different answer, but, but why for you is local history so important? I think it gives us the opportunity to kind of interact on a really local level with our past. Um, amateur filmmakers in particular um, are always thought about as being kind of history from the bottom up. Um, traditional cinema really is kind of the other way around. It's kind of history from the, the top down. So you kind of get this kind of politicised view of what's going on. Whereas amateur filmmakers have the ability to kind of show us what life was like um, in our area for people potentially like us um, at any given point in time. So I think it's just a fantastic opportunity to kind of connect people with their past. Um, and especially when local filmmakers are kind of filming um, community events, there's that opportunity of being able to maybe see a relative on the screen. And I think kind of creating those connections um, is so much more achievable in a local context. You just don't get that in kind of national film archives. Brilliant. Thanks so much. And sorry, I'd just like to end on again, touching on the work that you're doing at the moment as part of the Wessex Film and Sound Archive and this local focus for moving forward. So just to reiterate that message, people may have heard it on the episode that we've already sort of covered, but what is it you're looking for for people to submit? How can they do that? How can they get involved in the project you're currently working on? Yeah, so Making History, Making Movies is our contemporary collecting project. And basically what we're doing is asking people to kind of engage with some of our amateur material from the early part of the 20th century, but then use that to reflect on what they might be able to contribute to create the archive of the future. So we're asking for up to five minutes of film. We're not asking for the next Spielberg. What we want is people to submit film which is representative of their lives in the past 12 months. So it might be footage of you having a Zoom birthday party or um, an out, you know, your first outing between lockdowns where you're actually allowed to go anywhere or see anyone. Um, it's really just about capturing everyday life. So if you've taken footage, it might be on your phone, it might be something you've already filmed, um, but you think, oh yeah, this would make a good contribution to the archive because it was the first time I went into Romsey after lockdown or this is me queuing at the supermarket or what have you. Um, it, it tells us what life was like in 2020 and 2021. So I would really encourage you to think about what you've got on, on your phone before it disappears onto the cloud or wherever um, and think about getting in touch with us. Um, we do have a blog post which has got all the information on it so we'll make sure we include the, um, the link to that in the notes for the for the podcast um but all we ask you to do is just get in touch with us um, on the email address included and then we'll have a conversation um and then there's a few forms to fill in but then your film could be potentially submitted to the archive so then in a hundred years time um we'll look back and we actually know what life is like for us 
brilliant thanks Zoe and, and again I'd encourage as many listeners as possible to do that so we've got these wonderful resources for the future what an opportunity for you guys to get involved already in such an important aspect of local history Zoe thank you so much for your time today and for taking the time out to share your skills your experience and your advice for anyone looking to pursue a similar career it's been absolutely fascinating for me and I'm sure the listeners to to have heard so again thank you for your time and thank you for today's interview thank you for having me no problem at all